This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest philosophers to your fingertips. With more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Good afternoon, Mr. and Mrs. North America and all the ships at sea. This is Philip Terzian, literary editor of the Weekly Standard, with my weekly podcast about the books and arts section of the Weekly Standard. This week we're looking at the issue dated June 29th, 2015. And the lead editor, uh, lead review this week, excuse me, um, in the books and arts section is an essay by uh, Thomas Jeff, uh, Jeffers, who uh, teaches English at Marquette University. It's a review of a book entitled The State of the American Mind, 16 Leading Critics on the New Anti-Intellectualism, edited by Mark Bauerlein and Adam Bellow, published by Templeton Press. The purpose of the book, it's a, it, as it suggests, the subtitle suggests it's an anthology of uh, essays by a number of different writers, um, it's been almost 30 years since the publication of Alan Bloom's The Closing of the American Mind, which largely concentrated on uh, education. And this is a kind of uh, 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 collective attempt to assess things in the few decades since then, to what extent Bloom's diagnosis was correct, uh, what has gotten worse since he wrote about the state of the culture in 1987? What has improved since then? Anyway, um, it's, it's, it's an interesting idea and an interesting book, and the best part is that Thomas Jeffers has written a very interesting essay on his reaction, not only to Bloom's uh, insights, but also to the various uh, prescriptions and analyses that are offered in the book. So I would recommend the book, and as I say, called The State of the American Mind, obviously echoing Bloom's closing of the American Mind. And especially, I can recommend Thomas Jeffers' review. That is followed by a, a piece by Algus Valiunas, who frequently writes uh, for these pages largely, but not exclusively, on music. And the book in question is entitled Schubert's Winter Journey, Anatomy of an Obsession by Ian Bostridge. Ian Bostridge is a British uh, operatic tenor, and it's a book about, um, of course, Schubert, uh, who was born in 1797, died in 1828, was a, um, a little bit, you know, well, a decade or two younger than Beethoven, but roughly in the uh, Beethoven romantic uh, period of, of, of classical music and is well known for, among other things, his leader or song as in German. He's probably best known for the songs that he wrote uh, as settings for poems by the German poet Goethe, but he wrote many, and this is about uh, one particular uh, 
uh, song cycle of Schubert's, um, what makes it um, characteristically Schubertian, what makes it worth hearing, what makes it unique in the annals of, of classical music, and what makes it pleasurable for anyone to listen to. It's an interesting book in the sense that um, uh, uh, Bostridge is not just a, a, a scholar of music or a historian or critic, but in fact a musician himself. So as you would expect, he has some uh, certain and special and quite useful insights on the subject. That is followed by a review by Christopher Timmers of a book entitled The Yanks Are Coming, A Military History of the United States in World War I by H.W. Crocker, which was published by Regnery's History Imprint. And it's a book about the um, uh, uh, American participation in the Great War. Um, we are, of course, in the midst of centennial observances of the First World War. And, of course, the United States, we're not quite there for the United States. We didn't formally enter the war until April 1917. Um, but already the, the books are coming, which is always welcome since um, World War One tends to be overshadowed uh, in our collective memory by World War II. Uh, in that sense, it it's, resembles a little bit the Korean War, whose uh, 65th anniversary of, of which uh, was observed this week. Uh, a bit overshadowed by the great conflagration of the Second World War. But anyway, The Yanks Are Coming is an um, interesting and useful account of just how um, America uh, slowly but surely got pulled into the war and why that happened, how it was reflected in the domestic politics of the United States. And then once we were in the war, you'll learn all you need to know about the actions in which we uh, participated, how we were integrated or not integrated into the Allied forces, the British and French predominantly forces in the, on the Western Front, and um, some of the names, um, George C. Marshall, Douglas MacArthur, George Patton, who later um, became famous, um, what they were doing during that period. That is followed by a review by Edward Short, a frequent contributor to these pages, of a new edition of a book entitled London Labor and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, edited by Robert Douglas Fairhurst and published by the Oxford University Press. London Labor and the London Poor um, was in fact a series in um, uh, the London Evening Chronicle, which was a, a newspaper of the, of the day, no longer in existence. But it was a series of pieces that Henry Mayhew, um, journalist at the Evening Chronicle and other places, wrote um, about the the other London, the underside of London, what we might call Dickinson's London of eighteen. The, the series ran in eighteen forty nine and eighteen fifty. Um, a little bit uh, analogous, I would guess, to Jacob Rees's famous series on uh, his photographs, especially on uh, how the other half lives in New York in the 1890s and the turn of the 20th century. But um, it's, a, it's a fascinating book. We're looking at, at a city um, that has one foot in the, the, the emerging industrial modern world and one foot in its, in its um, medieval and older past. Um, the London of 1849 was um, a huge city. Um, by European and American standards and a huge metropolis by comparison with its size 
um, during, for example, Shakespeare's day. And of course, when that happens, um, large portions of a city's population live in in conditions that um, are fascinating to read about and also to some degree tell us a little bit about the society of the day. We know all this to some degree from Dickens's fiction, Thackeray's fiction, other people who wrote about the London of that period, but um, uh, the Mayhew series is more or less factual. It's journalism. It's, it's what was actually happening with real people and in real places in London. I don't think you have to be an aficionado of London as I am to find this interesting. It's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderfully written series, a wonderfully written um, a wonderful evocation of a London which which no longer exists. Although obviously um, um, city life is is still a very complicated tapestry. And Edward Short um, uh, has written a a fine essay on the subject, which I think you will find immensely illuminating, and I hope um, induces you to take a look at London labor and the London poor. Uh, John Podhoritz's movie review this week is Jurassic World, which is, um, um, as the title might imply, a, um, a sequel to uh, Jurassic Park, which was published almost, a I mean, uh, uh, which was um, released almost a, a, a quarter of a century ago. Um, I won't spoil any of the details, and I won't tell you exactly what John thinks about Jurassic World, but as I always say about his pieces, whether you agree with them or not, or whether you're even basically interested in the, the movie, or in movies generally, he always has something very interesting to say, and an interesting observation about cinema that I think you'll find as rewarding to read as I do. That is the Books and Arts section for the Weekly Standard of June 29th. I thank you very much for joining me for these few moments, and I look forward to talking to you about our next issue, which is the Summer Reading 2015 issue, um, twice as long and twice as good as usual. I look forward to talking to you then. Thank you very much.